Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right, all right, everyone. Welcome to another episode here of the Tactical Yanks podcast. By the time you're listening to this, this is probably the last episode of 2022, where we head into what many might argue is the most important cycle U.S. men's national team history, the 2026 one, leading to the World Cup we will host with a very promising generation. With that said, we're going to do an episode today going through five players that you need to follow in this cycle and why they're so important. I'm not joined by Pete today. He's feeling a little bit under the weather, but nevertheless, I've brought a replacement because Pete is on a limited role, just like Gio Reyna. And I brought no one less than Adam Turner, USMNT Stan on Twitter, or as he's known on Twitter, actually at Stan USMNT. Make sure to give him a follow. Adam, welcome for the first time of many. Man, I'm excited to be on the Tactical Yanks pod. I've been listening to you guys for years now, crazy enough. Years, Filippo. Isn't Two that wild? Two years, Two years, yeah. Man. Like you could say years legitimately now. So I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk soccer with you finally. Feel like it's uh, long overdue. Yeah, we, we're not going to get into this today, but we actually have a story from months ago, or almost a year ago, actually, with a player's agent that was kind of funny, which maybe one day we'll tell it in the pod. We can make an exclusive episode for that story. <laughs> I, would, I would i would love that man i would love that i've got those yeah. i've got those uh, screenshots saved somewhere so just to just to tease it out there we got some juicy details yeah it's kind of like a, a very gossip like episode we're gonna have in the future might be our biggest episode of all time it's true tactical tm tactical manager tmz it's very tmz like yeah it's like a keeping up with the kardashians episode but <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about today right now we're about to talk soccer actual soccer and would you agree with me that this cycle is the most important one in U.S. soccer history up to date? Without a doubt. I mean, it, and honestly, 20, 2023, I saw, I think, Pete's tweet on what 2023 has in store for us. And it just kicks it off with a bang, you know, mm-hmm. between the two Youth World Cups, what the summer events. And then we're going to go into 2024 with a Copa. Hopefully we'll knock on wood there. Like, it's just insane. Olympics, and we're back. The Olympics, we're back. And like. Yeah, and this is the biggest cycle. This is the biggest four years. It's going to be the most jam-packed four years. And there's almost going to be, it feels like not a day that you can't watch something USMNT related, whether it be a player for their club, a massive event. And so it's just super, super exciting. Yeah, and I think the fun of this episode that we're making today is there's a lot of storylines to follow. And unfortunately, we can't talk about all of them here today because there's so many players. You just said it yourself. There's always something going on with our players. So what we're trying to do today is maybe like talk about five each, five from me, five from yourself, and why people should follow this player because there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with this generation. It's a very promising generation, which in 2026, many of the players will be hitting their prime. Some of them will be entering that. Uh, and it's looking good for USA. It's a great time to be a U.S. soccer fan, and it's going to be a party. It's going to be a tremendous event in 2026. But, Adam, why don't we take turns here? Uh, and just to make it clear, this is not ranked, right? We're just giving you guys or listeners, all of you, five players. It's not ranked. It doesn't mean it's more important than another, and we're not going to go through all. If we had to talk about all the players that you should follow, it would probably be a five-hour-long episode, and we don't have time for that. We got, we got, We got stuff to do, but... Let's alternate, and I'll start with you. 
Give me one player we should watch this cycle, and what's your reasoning? By the way, if it's the same as my list, I'm just going to hop in and also talk about it. But what's your player? Yeah, my the the most prominent for me is Gio Reyna. And I know we're coming off a the Reyna Gate and the World Cup where he was, you know, maybe the talk of the USMNT for the wrong reasons in a lot of ways, right? Not what he did on the field. Um, but I think he's the guy to follow. I think he is the guy who in this pool – and I don't want to say guys like Pulisic and Adams can't take their games to another level. They can. But I think Gio Reyna, along with one other guy, probably have the highest percentage chance to take a leap to uh, worldwide prominence, right, and in a big way. And so I'm just excited to go on that journey. I, we, we got to knock on wood about the health stuff. That's the only thing for me that can really knock it off course. Because if he stays healthy, we're going to see him grow. He's just too good not to. And um, And honestly, we could be watching – club games in 25 26 leading up to that world cup for him at a massive club with him playing a massive role um i just think he's that good i know there's a lot of doubt out there about him but for me he's just he's that guy in our pool and i could go fancy and say some you know 17 year old who maybe has upside as well but look we got a 20 year old who is you know showing at the highest levels flashes of brilliance that we saw in a world cup final today right and at the end of the day, we need him to become consistent with it, game in, game out with it, stay healthy. And to me, there's a path for him to, to be a player that can play in, in the, the World Cup final game that we all just watched. You know, he can be a guy who could compete on that level. And we need as many of those as possible, Filippo. Like, if you don't have those guys, you can't play at that level. So for he, for me, he's number one. Yeah, uh, not just that, too. And I'm going to hop in on Reyna, too, because he is in my list. So... Might as well cover that player together right now that he's in your list, he's in my list. I think when you look into U.S. soccer, we're reaching a point of our development where we're developing very many good players. Like you talked about Brendan Aronson. He's a very good player. But I do think Brendan Aronson's ceiling is a good player. That's it. I think that's his ceiling, a very good player that can play in the Premier League. Not going to be a killer in the Premier League, but can be a good player uh, in the Premier League um, at some point. Uh, Tyler Adams to me too I think somewhat people talk when they compare him to Conte I think it's a little bit of nonsense he's a great player and he's going to continue to be a great player can play in the best league in the world but that's it now Gio Reyna it starts to become someone that Pulisic kind of was at one point or we thought he was going to be a player that can go into a club like Manchester City like um, Real Madrid Borussia Dortmund and be one of the guys in that team, if not the man of that team, a player that has the potential to become world-class if he can overcome injuries, attitude issues too. I mean, we talked about the Geo gate. He's not innocent in it. Um, it's not all on Geo. It's not all on Greg. But yeah, Geo has some blame in it too. Uh, and we need these players in the U.S. I talked about this with Pete once, and I wanted to get your take on this. I said, we already at a stage that we develop great players. We're there. I think what the United States is missing is that world-class guy, not to take us to the next level, because I still think you can do it with the players we have with a good coach. I think more to increase popularity. Imagine Americans um, that don't watch soccer very much. You go to them and you tell them, hey, we have a player that's top 10 in the world. This guy's killing it in England. And then people are like, Every weekend following that guy that's scoring goals in the Premier League, in the Champions League, winning trophies. We don't have that. And when you look at our player, Paul, the only one I see with that ceiling, and he might not reach it. We might be full of crap, me and you. But he is the only one I see with that. Not even Pulisic. I think Pulisic is there. He's an elite winger. One of the best. Amazing. I just don't see Pulisic making that jump to the world class. But I do see Gio Reyna with that potential. 
Yeah, and and the reason for me uh, is just technical ability. Like that's the thing that I think when yourself and Pete for sure, just from listening to you guys and a lot of us that are on Twitter together, there's a big divide where I feel like a lot of people look at a guy like Aronson and they love what he does. Because in my opinion, in U.S. soccer, right, I think we both have grown up in, in this culture and just seen what this culture is, right? Very up close and personal. I played in it. And what's rewarded, we, we all say this, this is cliche, but it's hustle, it's the grind, and it's built into our brains to value that when it comes to this sport, right? And so mm-hmm. what we, I think, don't value as much of is technical ability. And I'm not saying like you have to have a little of both. You have to be able to, you know, grind and, yeah. and do that work, but also have the technical ability. For me, when I watch guys like Aronson, um, you, you know, Adams, you mentioned Adams, right? A bunch of other guys, they don't have their their technical ability at a certain age, I think. And you you talk about this all the time with futsal, right? I hear you yeah. talk about it all the time. But when you hit a certain age, if you don't have a certain threshold of technical ability, it's really hard to make that up, right? Mm-hmm. And now you can, like you said, you can get to a high level by playing harder, increasing your technical ability a little bit, but you can't go, you know, if if you're at a five out of 10 technical ability, you're never going to become a nine. You're just not like you could get to a seven, but you're not going to become a nine. And like when I watch Gio, he's a nine, you know, and like, you can't teach that. And I think at the end of the day, the things that he has to get better at, you can teach and you can learn. And that's what I'm really excited about is to see his natural ability blend with all the things that we see players develop from 18 to 24 all the time. I think what you just described, if anyone didn't understand it, is you described the ceiling of a player, right? Uh, No matter how much you hustle, if your technical ability wasn't developed as much at younger ages, like you talked about Brandon and Tyler, your ceiling is lower. Now, the odds of Brandon and Tyler reaching their ceiling is much higher than Reyna hitting his ceiling. But Reyna's ceiling is higher. That is the thing. But I agree with you. I'm looking forward to see how Reyna will progress the next three and a half years. If he'll move to a bigger club, if he'll overcome the injuries, which looks like he's been healthy the past month or so. Uh, and the talent is there. And, and let's hope in this cycle eventually. The biggest thing for Reyna that I'm hoping for is by 2026, I want to see him playing as a 10. Yes. I really hope by then. Do you want to know who's my second player? I can't wait to hear Caleb Wiley from Atlanta United. Ooh. He's on my honorable mentions list, so I'm going to talk about him yeah. a little bit as well. I like yeah, it. so um, he's probably unexpected from a few people listening to this, but I'll explain why. First, we saw in this cycle we don't have a backup left back. We don't. And our starting left back is good, but shaky at times, right? So that's a big problem. Also, there's the fact that A-Rob could get injured, and then who do we play? We don't have anyone. So then I, I, I was brainstorming storming for this episode, and I was thinking, okay, who, who else do we got? And then I looked. Sam Vines hasn't cut it for me. George Bello struggling in the Bundesliga, the second Bundesliga, right? Should be back in MLS even if that's the case. And then I thought about other names. Jonathan Gomez, promising, but we don't even know if we'll get him. And he's playing for a, like the third division in Spain, right? Second or third division. Um, that doesn't really you know pump me up, but he could be one. The other one I thought about was John Token. He's older than Caleb Wiley. And I do think there's things in Caleb Wiley's game that excel over Token. I think he's more composed on the ball, more athletic, and a bit better also in dribbling ability. While Token at times looks a bit more flashy, but undisciplined, complains too much. Could be, but not the thing. But when I looked at Caleb Wiley in the U20s, and even for Atlanta in Major League Soccer, 
the guy looks very mature for his age, right? He's about 18 right now, maybe turning 19 very soon. Um, the athleticism is there. And surprisingly, also the technical ability, very technical in his dribbling. There are many aspects of his game that he has to develop. But I think he's a player that we need to be following along this cycle. Because like I said, if we had two very, if it was the right back position where you have Dest and Scally, I would probably say, eh, I wouldn't really follow Wiley. Maybe he can do something, maybe not. But because we are so needy in that position, he is a player I'm going to be following closely because out of the young ones I've seen on the left back position, he shows the most promise. Yeah. And I think that, listen, I love Jedi and I feel like you can't critique certain players in our pool without people thinking you hate them. And it's like my least favorite thing about our community is that like, if you say, Hey guys, I don't think Brendan Aronson's world-class, you know, I think he's really good and I enjoy watching him, but I don't think he can get to world-class level. People are like, are you crazy? He's number 11 in the Premier League and big chances created this or year. presses, right? He loves to – he presses so well. It's like, like, yeah, he does. Like, he does a lot guys, of things. like, come on. It's like the same – like, so Jedi was one of these guys, right? He was in the EPL two years ago. And there was a narrative, like, he's one of the best left backs in the Premier League. Look at this, like, you know, stat about his crossing. And I'm like, watch the games. He's not one of the best left backs in the Premier League, right? I like Jedi a lot. I think he has um, – you hear this term a lot. I think he sets the floor really nicely for us next World Cup, right? If he's our left back, we can absolutely get away with it. He's really good at what he does. But I would love – I'm with you, Tack. Like, I would love to see someone, you know, increase that floor, right? Or, or, or set the ceiling a bit higher. Wiley's a really good example of it. Um, I'm going to give you – without saying – he's also 17, which is crazy. Oh, 17. I'm sorry then. I said 18 yeah, or 19. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember. I actually looked it up when you said it. I was like, I think he might be 17. Turning 18 in like a week or something like that. So really young. Upside, so his upside – I don't want to – I want to be more specific. Not just his upside, but his ability on the left side to do the things that I think Des does on the right, which makes our right side more dynamic, right? The way the ball moves, the way that we play one-twos and with triangles over there just makes our right side better. It's not like Tim Weah is better than Pulisic. It's that like what we create on the right – is drastically better than what we create on the left. And that usually ends up with Timmy Weah getting a really good chance going down the right side. And what we've seen is Pulisic, you know, typically comes back to the ball a lot because Jedi is not the best on the ball. So he knows he has to get on the ball more, let Jedi run wide. He can play Jedi into space. But I think it limits what we do on the left. I would love to see a guy like Wiley develop who's more technical and who can maybe four years from now as a 21, 22-year-old you know, be playing in a World Cup and be somebody who can give us a little bit of that um, that dynamic play down the left. Mm-hmm. That you just have to have that. If only one side of your field is playing at a World Cup level in terms of the play, right? Not the players, the play. It just becomes really hard when you get to certain games, and it puts a lot of pressure on certain guys on the other side. So, here's my answer, though, and this will be my my number two here. My number two is Joe Scally, and here's the reason why. I think that. There's a world where you, all the guys you named, I'm not going to go through them again, aren't ready yet in 2026. They're just not quite there yet, right? All those names you mentioned, most of the good ones are the high, high I think the high value guys are going to be like 21. So there's just a chance well, they're not ready yet. Just to add to it, you just said Wiley. Wiley will be 20. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he might yeah. not develop yet. So you're right, yeah. And and like Scally's still pretty young, but like, I, I, I like Scally because he's shown at a really high level as a 19-year-old, I think maybe turning 20, somewhere in that range, right? But as an 18 to 20-year-old, that's where we've seen him play in the Bundesliga. He can compete. And I don't think his ceiling is like world-class at all. But I think that he, once again, sets a floor 
that is higher than what Jedi's floor is on the left. So I, I like the idea. I've never liked Dest on the left yet, but I like the idea potentially of getting to 2024 and being like, you know what? It looks like Scally has developed into a you know Bundesliga starter who's really good. And we know what Dest is. So let's play them out there. And we've seen Scally on the left too. So I, I could go that way, but let's just play our two best fullbacks and let's figure it out and let's build a system that allows us to play those two guys. And let's not, you know, I, I could see Scally just being better than Jedi, right? And Dest being better than Jedi four years from now and it, and it being really clear. So if that's the case, let's not play a worse player because they're a left-sided player. You know, we've seen Dest do okay over there and we've seen Scally do okay over there. So I'm hoping the next manager will just be more, more flexible with stuff like that, you know? And, and so Scally's my second guy. And, and I think if you, if we've watched him, we know why, right? His, his upside as a defender and attacker, I think is really high. If there's a, a, a development arc, that's pretty normal, you know, not beyond normal, not below, like he's going to be a really darn good Bundesliga level player four years from now. Yeah. As long as he continues to develop, I do have some question marks in regards to his, in regards to his ability in tight spaces, but he's very reliable on defense. When he's on the ball, he plays it safe, gets good crosses, a great player. And that is true. He could surpass Jedi. But my main concern overall with everything you said, Scally or Wiley or whoever it is, my main concern is right now, um, we do have backups for most positions, right? Like you said, if Des goes down, you play Scally, we should be all right. Um, Weya goes down, you play Aronson, should be fine. Pulisic goes down, play Reyna or, I don't know, Aronson there or Reyna goes wide. or center. There's options. Now, the left back, if A-Rob goes down, you either play a righty on the left, which is what we have now, or you have a bunch of 21-year-olds that haven't really stepped up their game yet. So I agree that left-back position is something that we need to develop. So we'll be watching Caleb Wiley and Joe Scally. So we didn't pick the same one there, but we do have, I think, similar reasons. But yep. before we continue here, Adam, I have to give a quick word from our sponsor, and that is DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA season is heating up, and there is still... So many unknowns to happen. NBA, Adam, a sport you very much enjoy, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> when I'm looking to get into action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbooks, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets. Call to action right now. This is what you have to do. Download the app now, sign up with the code TBPN, that is TBPN, place a $5 bet pregame money line on any NBA team to win their match and get up to $150 in free bets if they do. That's the code TBPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. And Adam, since you follow the NBA, is there any team you'd recommend? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Celtics fan. You know what's crazy, Tack? And this is no lie. I just had to look it up because I just opened my DraftKings. And I placed a bet this morning on the Celtics to cover a 10-point line against the Magic. So it's like, I'm a guest here on the pod. I'm not paying. They're not sponsoring me specifically, guys. I just found it really funny. I was like, oh, yeah, DraftKings. Like, just placed a bet on the Celtics to cover 10 points tonight against the Magic. They're at home. I think they're going to do it. So, yeah, anyway, that was my bet today. Yeah, and we're recording this before Christmas. So if you guys are listening to this and maybe the Celtic are playing the Magic again, um, this is not the same game, okay? Yeah, it's not, not the same game. Yeah. This is not a betting advice, okay? It's just what Adam <laughs> is doing. Don't go by it. And thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring the podcast. Use the code TBPN. All right, Adam, back to what matters. We still have player number three, number four, and number five. So I gave number two first, so it's your turn to go first now. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with um, a position that is very much. We have two positions, a couple positions that are up in the air. We mentioned left back, which isn't up in the air. We have Jedi, but I think mm-hmm. the ceiling is up in the air. I think this second position is the one that maybe worries me the most when it comes to our pool for next cycle, and that's center back. And the player to watch for me is Chris Richards. Um, it's a guy that we haven't heard his name a lot in the last year because of injury and because of obviously he made a move to Crystal Palace and didn't play as much at the beginning of this year. But to me, he's the guy, right? When it comes to like who to watch at center back, Chris Richards is the guy, once again, that can develop into, I, I don't believe his ceiling is world-class, not, not realistic ceiling, mm-hmm. but I do believe his ceiling is being a high-end starter for a really good team, potentially even a Champions League level team, right? Maybe not a team that we expect to be in the final, but he could be a Champions League level center back. And it's because of his technical ability on the ball. He has the ability in the air, right? He's not elite in the air, but he has the ability in the air. And he has the one-on-one pace and defending that we see out of the best of the best, right? And I'm not going to compare him to Van Dyke. I'm not going to compare him to that level. But when you watch that level center back, they've got pace to defend. You know, they're not getting beat 1v1. Uh, they can shut you down. They can make late tackle. They can do all that defensive work that we value in our American center backs. And that some of the, our guys do, but they can also get on the ball with comfort and do the, you know, the Tim Ream stuff that we just saw Tim Ream doing. And so I think Chris Richards is the guy that like, I want to see him lock down the right center back starting spot. Ideally for me, he can play on the left too, but I'd love to see him just be the guy game in game out. And next cycle, it's like, okay, from 24 to 26, Lock it down. We got Richards. Maybe we have to figure out that other spot, you know, CCV. EP. There's a lot of candidates out there, but Chris Richards is my center back to watch. I also think he's just fun to watch. He's a fun player to watch, um, which you don't always say about center backs, but um, mm-hmm. love the dude, man. And I was really hoping to see him this World Cup. I think a lot of us were, uh, but he's going to be like hitting his prime next World Cup. So I have big expectations from him. And just, I don't have Chris Richards on my list, but just to add on a little bit from what you said, uh, we we learned with Morocco that you don't need world class defenders to have a world class defense, right? We learned that in the World sure. Cup. They had amazing defenders, but they weren't world class. They weren't Van Dyke, right? But they were arguably the best defense in the World Cup, if not one of the best. Uh, I agree with you. We don't need Chris Richards to be a world class center back. If he is a locked in starter center back in the Premier League for a team that's at least mid table, at least mid table. I think that's one of the best center backs the U.S. has ever had. We're fine. I mean, we're set. And as long as you can partner him up with another reliable center back, which we have a few coming up, Cameron Carter-Vickers is an option. Palmer Brown will be an option. Tomkinson from Norwich, who knows who he develops. Josh Winder, I've heard great things from him, from Lou City, and many others. It could it could be. And again, defending is more of like a team effort. It doesn't really matter if you have one world-class defender. It's more of a team effort. It's unlike forwards where you need individual talent, moments of brilliance, defending its team effort. Um, And you can do it if you have great defenders. You don't need world-class. So, yeah, it'll be fun to watch how Chris Richards develops. He did struggle a little bit early in Crystal Palace, but just got there. And they have great defenders, right? Um, Anderson and and Gehi, brilliant defenders. And Gehi will probably leave. And Chris Richards will take over from there, hopefully. Let me say say one other thing about center back that I think is really important heading out of this World Cup. Because a lot of people out there were like, I don't need a guy who can be good on ball. Just can they defend? And I think what you saw, if you watch this knockout stage, what you saw is like soccer is about how many chances you can create. Because guys just miss chances, right? Like they just do all the time. And if your center backs can't pass, it's just going to limit 
how many times you move the ball through lines, which ignites the next pass, which ignites the next pass, which ignites the next pass, right? Mm -hmm. And like, if you have guys who are only making very basic, simple passes, then you're putting more pressure on other guys, right? So like the more players that can make passes that ignite opportunities, right? Not necessarily just chances, but opportunities to create a chance, the more you can do it. And so if we have serious ambition to make a deep run, we better have both center backs be guys who can play with the ball at their feet. Like you said, doesn't need to be world-class, but they have to be able to pass the ball. And so I, I want us to, as a community, raise our ceiling and raise our ambition. And that, to me, that's where the center back skill comes in. Right. And I don't want to see, thank you for your service, Walker Zimmerman, but his ceiling is way too low in the areas that we need a center back to be good at. If we have ambition to make a run. Well, Walker Zimmerman, if, the, to me, there's only at the highest level, there's only one usefulness for him. It's you're up one zero and the opponent is chugging in crosses. Walker, go in, win those aerial duels and he'll get it done. Now, the moment you need to actually disorganize the opponent with the ball with Walker Zimmerman, you're playing man down. Hand, or, hand, or handle press, right? Which we, we saw yeah. a lot in the last three months. Yeah. Or like, okay, good team's going to throw press at you sometimes. And if all you can do is play direct and you don't have the ability to play through it at times, limits you. Exactly. You become easier to get exposed. But moving on from the center back, my player number three is actually Taylor Booth from Utrecht. Uh, for a couple reasons here, it's not that we have a problem at the eight position because he's a central midfielder. Because when you look at the central midfield, we're going to have Reina maybe playing there. Aronson can play there. Musa, McKenney. Um, who else? De La Torre can play there. Who knows? Cardoso. Mike. There's many options, so that's not the thing. But when I've been watching him in the Eredivisie, I see what you were talking about. Well, okay, not comparing him to Reina, but when you talked about, I see technical ability. I see that ability of the player and drive and, and grit moving forward, finishing ability. And he's young, and he had years of Bayern development. So he's a player that I'm very intrigued. I don't know right now if he'll be in the 2026 roster. I don't know if he'll even get called in for the United States at any point. But what I've been seeing lately from him with Utrecht in the Eredivisie, a very good league, by the way, underrated league, I think there's something there. I think there's something there to watch, and he could be a guy to add more depth to that midfield for the United States. And maybe something different, because... I see McKenney and Musa with some similarities, being that box-to-box, -box, right? Booth, I can see him being a box-to-box. -box. I can see him being more of a playmaker distrib in distribution. We know that's one of Tyler Adams' weaknesses. I Taylor Booth, it's more of like, I know we've hyped all these players for many reasons, uh, the ones we talked about before. I don't have much to hype on Booth, um, and I don't think we need him by any means because our position is set. It's just that what I've been seeing, it's just you know, when you just have a feeling, it's like there's something there. I'm watching him, and there's something there. That's what I'm getting with him. Yeah, he's on my honorable mentions for the exact reason you said, and he's on he's honorable mention for that reason too. Because I'm not 100 percent sure he gets there, but we need a high quality backup at the eight. I think that was exposed. And even if we change to less of a pressing style this next cycle, at the end of the day, Musa and McKinney specifically are such high effort guys. They're always going to extend themselves to the level. That if you don't have a quality replacement, like for like kind of replacement, it doesn't even have to be like for like a guy who can come in and keep us at the same level in a tournament format where you're playing a game every three, four days, it's going to, you know, it's going to really hurt you. So he's one of the guys that I'm keeping my eye on as well as a potential eight backup, high quality eight backup that I think we were missing this World Cup.
Yeah, I agree. Now let's go to player number four. There's two more left for each one. And I'm glad that you're kind of like already getting through your honorable mentions on accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my, I'll go now with mine and then you have the last one. Uh, my player number four, I wish I could say it's not even a player. It's more of a position. It's the nine because we need to figure that out. And I do think a lot of it has to do, the problems we had has a lot to do with Greg Berhalter's system. I do think that. But at the same time, our nines haven't really convinced me as well. Any of them. See if you have the same guy as me, by the way, Tack. I think we're both on the same alignment here for this final one. It's Pepe. I can't wait to see the name. Mine is okay, Pepe. Awesome. Yeah. So it's Pepe. And I wish I could just use a position because I'm actually talking about Pepe. But my main intention here is the nine. I don't care if it's Pepe, Sergeant, if we get Balogun, if Jesus Ferreira becomes something. But I don't think that will happen. Um, Haji, right? I don't care who it is. Hoppy comes back out of nowhere. But I'm going to say Pepe because there has to be some frustration from his end to get back on that. He was cut from the World Cup without – he wasn't called in, and he should have. Uh, he's scoring in the Netherlands. He's still under contract to the Bundesliga team that's going to try to sell him, and I don't know who can afford him. It would probably have to be a top-five league team. And he's still very young. He's turning 20 now or turned 20 already. Uh so I'm going to go Pepe here, but I think you get my point. I'm mainly talking about we need a nine. I need a nine. Yeah, that, and actually, you know, it's funny enough. I almost was going to probably present that same argument if you gave me the reins first. I had a different name that I was going to narrow in on, and you mentioned him. I think it's Fuller and Balagoon. I think he is the next big dual nat that we have to secure. And I think mm -hmm. we have a lot of ends here, right? Arsenal Academy with Musa. Youth national team uh, teams with Musa. Musa just had a breakout World Cup. I'm sure Balagoon is looking at the English setup and going, how long is it going to take me to break into this setup, right? And could I be playing high-impact, high-profile games in the Copa America, the Gold Cup, the Nations League? You know, people are talking about a Germany-friendly potentially in a couple summers. Like, could he, from a national team perspective, get not only get into the mix, but be the guy for the U.S. national team. And you talk about us hosting a World Cup. It's going to be high-profile worldwide. He has eight goals in, four, I think, 13 or 14 appearances in League One this year, right, for Reims. And he's really good. I mean, he's very legit. If you're doing that at his age in you know, as a striker in a top-five league, you are really legit. I think he's better than all the other guys we have. Um, he's not perfect. Uh, I think when I've watched him at least, he's not, like, the best at some of the sergeant-like holding the ball up and playing stuff that he does, but he's so much better in and around the goal, right? He takes, I think some of the stuff that a lot of us have loved from some of our strikers where it comes, Oh, they have a killer instinct in the box. Oh, and they're skilled and they can get their shit, create their own shot, you know, and they can connect play. Like to me right now, he's the, the, the most well-rounded young guy. He would be an absolute, to me, he would be like a Dest and Musa level get for us. I think he's that good. Um, Maybe not quite as good as those guys, but at a more of a position of need, which makes him as big of a get, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely the position of need plays a role. I think from what I've watched him, because unfortunately that work's going to come back to me in 2023, the Americans Abroad series, that one is rough. So I have watched Balogun quite a bit. And out of our center forwards, he's the center forward with the best dribbling ability right now. Um, dribbling ability, it's not even close. He can beat the defenders off the dribble, almost like a winger-like dribbling ability that he has. Um, clinical in front of the goal, yeah, I think you're right about that. He might be the most clinical one, maybe Pepe with him right there, even though he's doing that at a higher level. 
he would be right now our starting center forward if he said yes. Would he be in 2026? Who knows? But right now, yes. If he said yes right now and we put our best 11, he's our best center forward. So entirely agree. And I guess this player that we talked about, it was mainly like just us like watch for our nines. And these are the two ones that we're probably the highest on, which is Pepe and Balogun. Um, Sargent is interesting too, but I think Sargent, Sargent's ceiling is more of like a, he is one of those like more of a hustle guy. Yeah, agree. And strikers develop 21 to 25, which is right in the age group all these guys are going to be in. Like, and and you often see strikers not break out until they're 23, right? That that happens all the time. Um, and and so who is it going to be is going to be the biggest question. And you know, in terms of the thing to watch that could impact us the most, I think it's that. And the reason I like Balagoon so much is we actually just need more lottery tickets, you know, and I don't want to say it's a lottery ticket that in terms of it being that low percentage that he develops, but we need more opportunities. We need more chances. We need the more players in the pool because coming up, we just don't see the Jonathan David. I don't see that guy. I don't see the guy who it's like, there he is. He's going to be the lockdown dude. We need as many guys to give us as many chances to have that guy develop so that by, you know, four, three and a half, yeah. three and a half years from now. I mean, it's what I talk have- about people with brazil they talk about how americans oh we have so many busts abroad it's like do you guys realize how many yeah. busts brazil has abroad it's so many it's so the thing is brazil just sends so many of them that they're overshadowed you don't talk about the busts as much because you're seeing oh my god vinicius rodrigo rafinha it's like yeah but you forget the 20 others that didn't work out Who that's the thing huge send, names when they were 19 and made yes them exactly send yeah. them over a bunch are not going to work out but you don't need a bunch. You only need 11 guys on the field. <laughs> That's for, all you need. For sure. For sure. Uh, Adam, your last player. And honestly, I'm going to give you my last player. I think it's going to shock you, my last player. But go can't to yours. Um, I can't wait for yours to be shocking because mine's the opposite of shocking. So I think we're going to provide the people with a nice mix right here. <laughs> um, and it's not Pulisic. I left him off. I didn't even put him on my honorable mention just because it's so obvious. Everybody knows that he needs to be great. I think my other guy, this is very similar to Reyna, and there's some different thoughts about this guy because uh, you said we may only have one world-class potential guy. I think Yunus Musa has world-class potential, and I think he's a guy to watch. I think his world-class potential is very different. Um, I think that especially for people who are just getting into soccer a lot, I think the role that he plays on a team can be can be very lost. It's like Luka Modric, right? Like People look at his like goals and assist numbers for Real Madrid, and they're like, yeah, he's not that like, no, but watch him, right? Watch and watch how what he does allows everybody else to do what they do really, really well. And I think that's what Yunus Musa um, can be is he can just be the ultimate box to box guy. I think to get to world-class level, he has to add more in the final third, which we just haven't seen. Right. And so I've heard arguments like, well, he doesn't get there a lot. Like, yes, he does. He's there. He's there for both club and country. And he just doesn't have, he, he doesn't unlock. Right but he's so good at doing the work in our own half defensively, progressing the ball from our half to the next half. And he's elite at that worldwide, his speed, his dribbling ability in those spaces. Um, And I, I think he's a guy, especially coming out of this world cup, we could see him get a really nice move to, to a higher level club potentially and, and establish himself there, but it's going to be one to watch. Like what is Yunus Musa going to become, right? Is he going to become, you know, a, really good player or is he going to become 
a world-class box-to-box guy that's playing for the highest-end clubs, which is totally within reach for him. So I'm excited to see that because, once again, I said this with Reyna, but I'll say it again. The more guys we have who can play at the absolute highest level of the game, that is how you make runs that aren't lucky, right? That's how you make runs in the World Cup is you look across the pitch and you go, okay, we got five or six guys out here who are playing at the absolute highest level. And two of them are two of the best 10 to 15 guys at their position in the world. To me, that's, and when you look at Argentina, you know, that's what you see. You look around and you go, okay, we have Messi. He's super elite. And then we have these amazing young guys. And then, okay, like our defense is okay. And it's serviceable. And you said it before, we can get them to where it needs to go. To me, that's the formula that the U.S. has to have. We're not going to have 11. We're not going to be France, right? Yeah, but ideally, you want to have all your starting 11 playing in top five leagues, yes. playing consistently. And then if you have all of them playing in top five leagues and you have a good coach and you have maybe those one or two guys that are above everything else, right, the the, the peak, the players that in one play can make a difference, that's where you can take it an up a notch, right? I think a good example of a team – Probably we can go back to like 2016, I think. And we can mention like the prime of this Wales generation mm. where they had a bunch of players that were playing in, in, I think, Premier League most part, right? They were playing competitive environments. But then you had Aaron Ramsey that was balling out. Gareth Bale, world class. So they made it to the semifinals in the Euros because it was a very good team with two, three guys. I think Joe Allen was very good at the time too two to three guys that were just above everyone else. And then that's how you get with the right coach and everything. That's what the U.S. has to aim for. Players in a bunch of top five leagues and then have two or three guys that are pro- – and honestly, it could be Pulisic, Reyna, and Musa, the three guys that really destabilize the opponent and everyone else is very good. That is enough to make a good run as long as you have a coach that knows what he's doing, yep. which we're not talking about Burhalter today, but I don't think he's the guy. So, um, <laughs> Not the guy. Do you want to know who's my guy? I can't wait. I'm excited. <sighs> Grab bag. Here. John Anthony Brooks. Oh, wow. Talk to me, Tack. So let's explain. Wait. Let me explain why. So one, he's going to be 32 at the time, if I'm not mistaken. So Or 33. So is that old? Fairly old. Not too old for a center back, right? You have center backs nowadays playing over the age 35 at a high level, a.k.a. we just had one, Tim Ream. John Brooks is a lefty center back. And with Tim Ream leaving, we don't really have that, right? Second thing to say, he's going to have experience. If Burhalter's not there, I can see Brooks getting an opportunity. Now, what needs to happen? He's not playing for Benfica, and I'm sorry. He's probably not going to play. They have Lucas Verissimo. They have uh, Silva from Benfica, the 18-year-old that started for Portugal. Otamendi might leave, but he's still there. If Brooks can find a club in the top five league, and he's playing consistently like he was for Wolfsburg, if we get a serious coach, I find it unlikely that he would leave him out. One, Brooks does have World Cup experience, played in 2014, has a lot of years at the highest level in the Bundesliga, played Champions League. So this is more of a gamble. But I'm the reason I'm saying to everyone is keep an eye on Brooks. If he can find a club in the top five league that he's playing or he can break out for, for Benfica, he could be the Tim Ream-like story of 2026 our veteran defender lefty that can play alongside chris richards or i don't know what if we go with a back three he can be another option um i understand that what i'm saying right now if burr confirmed to stay that is done what i'm saying ignore what i'm saying and we're recording this before christmas who knows maybe we get a christmas present or or a nightmare 
like from Krampus maybe, and Burhalter stays or leaves. If he stays, what I'm saying right now is irrelevant. If he leaves, I can totally see John Brooks being back in the national team at some point. It's not too crazy. No, it's one, it's not crazy. And there's a lot of anti-Brooks people out there who will tell you it's crazy if it's even brought up because he's not even playing in Portugal. But you nailed it, right? He's not playing in Portugal, guys, like or whatever insult you think that is. That's not an insult. That is a no. really good league, maybe better than the French league in terms of like depth of top teams. He's Benfica also, Adam. We got to yeah, remember Benfica. Benfica. That's, yeah, this is where I'm going. They he's beat Juventus. Champions League team. Forget Portugal. And not just a Champions League team, a Champions League knockout round, right? Year in, year out. That is a knockout round Champions League level team that can make runs, right? We've seen that out of Portuguese teams in the last five years. This is where he's playing, guys, right? A backup at that level. If you think that's an insult, then you and I totally disagree on what that level is. Because being a backup at that level is like saying, oh, you know, you're backing up at a, you know, at a top five club in, in, in the EPL or in, and that's just not an insult. Like, would it be great if he could start there? Sure. But who do we have in our pool that makes us so confident and cocky that John Brooks has no chance to get back in? I mentioned it before when I said Chris Richards, who are our center backs going to be right? Like, I know there's a lot of people really high on CCV. I'm, I've always been a little lower. He showed me a little bit more, I think, in the last year than I, I've seen out of him. I'm not confident CCV is going to be Depth piece. good Depth. enough for us to start. Yeah. And the other thing that goes in with John Brooks is look around the World Cup. Elite left-footed center backs on almost every single great team. Not all, right? There are some that get away without it. But it is such an advantage to have a left-footed ball-playing center back on that left side. Um, we saw it in this World Cup with Tim Ream. It's just a difference maker, right? And like, as bad as Aaron Long is, you know, him playing over there and not being a lefty, it was like, that was my ultimate like nightmare scenario. I was like, not only is he not good with the ball, we're asking him to play on the left, not being good with the mm -hmm. ball. Like, and so I, I don't want a nightmare scenario. And I can absolutely, if he gets back in form, gets to the right place, gets back in shape, like he's got a lot of work to do for sure, but he has the ability and you mentioned old center backs. I mean, gosh, we've Italy's have had, and granted, these guys are world class. I get it, but like they had the oldest dudes playing for them of all time. How old is your guy, Tiago Silva? He's 37, right? Yeah. I mean, like we've seen all these old center backs and, you know, Tim Ream for us be good enough at that age. So am I expecting him to be Tiago Silva? No, of course not. But, but can he be good enough to crack our lineup at that age? Or be a backup. Or be a backup. Be a backup yes, or be a backup. Situational backup. Say, oh, we need a ball playing left back this game. Let's put him in. Yes, absolutely. And I'm here for the John Brooks revival because I was one of the loudest and most artist supported, supporters of him through his downfall, which was pretty sad to see. But let's get it. Just don't come to MLS. I don't, like, I, I don't yeah. want him to make that move. I want him to stay competitive in Europe. Yep, I agree. So is there any honorable mention you want to give before we wrap things up? My only honorable mention, and it's you know coming off just a you know a great game the other day by him is Malik Tillman, who I think similar to what you said about Booth, you know, it's a guy who's coming out of really good development systems, right? He's played at a really high level growing up, and I think he has a lot of upside. You're seeing him, you know, and granted Scotland's not a high level, but playing for Rangers is a big deal. There's a lot of guys who go from Celtic and Rangers on to, you know, big careers. And so that's my hope for him. I think he's got some nice upside. I don't, once you don't see world-class out of him, but see a guy who has some positional versatility, can play on the wing, can play in the midfield, is more of an attacking-minded midfielder. 
you know, could he be a really good depth piece for us? I, I highly doubt he'd crack, crack the starting lineup based on what we've seen um, up front. Could he, you know, raise the ceiling in some spots? Can he give us an aerial target, which he's much more of an aerial, aerial target than our current wing, wing winger crop. So he's an interesting one to me uh, as well. Yeah, I would definitely follow along with Malik. I have some question marks in regards to his game, but when you look at players that we were bringing for this World Cup, Rodon, Morris, he is far better already, already better. But everyone, thank you very much for listening. If you're listening to this, it's probably out December 28th, 29th. Happy New Year's to everyone. Uh, Merry Christmas if you're watching. Well, Christmas is through by now. Uh, don't forget to follow Adam on Twitter. It's Stan. It's at Stan U.S. Men's National Team. You're probably going to see his name saying USMNT Stan. Make sure to give him a follow. Adam, thank you very much. First of many. First of many. Thanks, Dak. Bye-bye, everyone.